Welcome to the Raging Rhino Podcast. This is podcast number 154. My name is John. Old Mississippi, she's calling my name. When Gina and I first got married, as is tradition, we went on a honeymoon. It was the first time I had ever left the state of Texas, much less the country. Being a young couple, we were working to get out of debt, so for our first anniversary, we simply spent a long weekend visiting friends in Austin. The next year, we spent another long weekend at a quaint little bed and breakfast in Stonewall, Texas. One morning, at a communal breakfast, another guest mentioned it would be great to come back in a year. The idea began to germinate in my brain not to go back specifically to the B&B, but to go away every year for our anniversary. I proposed the idea to Gina, and she loved it. By the next year, opportunities at my job helped us to save on travel expenses, so 20 years ago, we began our personal tradition of taking the week of our anniversary off from work and going somewhere to celebrate, preferably somewhere we haven't been before. We've been to seven different countries and 37 states in our travels. I've talked in details of the last few we've been on. There are podcasts devoted to some of the recent trips, New England, Maui, New Mexico. Of course, COVID has thrown a gigantic monkey wrench into everything for us. Fortunately, that came just after our 20th anniversary, so we managed to get the big celebration in before things got turned upside down. The last three years have all been road trips. To be honest, I'm not worried about catching something on a plane any more than I was before the pandemic. It's the insufferable human beings that want to shame you for either wearing or not wearing your mask, depending upon what they believe. I've discussed my feelings on that at length, so I won't bore you with them again. Suffice to say, we figured a couple of years of avoiding that crap was worth a few long road trips. Ideally, we would like to visit all 50 states. With 13 left to go, that feels like an obtainable goal. However, we've visited everything within a day's drive, so this year we decided to visit an area we'd previously drove through. Six years ago, Gina was mending a broken foot and did not want to fly anywhere, so we rented a car and took what we dubbed the Circle of the South. Hot Springs, Arkansas, Memphis, Tennessee, Pensacola, Florida, and New Orleans, Louisiana. It was our first time back there since the day Katrina hit. On the way to New Orleans, we decided to stop for lunch in Biloxi, Mississippi. We got to see a very small part of the town while we were there, but the beach looked really nice. Gina wanted a beach destination and had heard some nice things about the area, so we went there for a week. It's just under 10 hours for us if we drive non-stop, but you know, between bathroom breaks and stopping to eat, we figured it'd be closer to 12 hours. So once again, we rented a car, updated our road trip playlist, and just after 7.30 on Saturday morning, we headed out of town. 
Of course, any road trip in Texas is likely to involve stops at Bucky's, which I can best describe as a convenience store meets Walmart with excellent bathrooms. There were two on our route to Mississippi, and we stopped at both. Among the plethora of food items available at Bucky's is the Rhino Taco. It's a breakfast taco stuffed with beans, sausage, egg, cheese, and potatoes. Of course, I first tried it for the name, but now I get it any time we have a morning stop there. While there, I realized I forgot to pack dress socks for our anniversary dinner, so I picked out a Halloween-themed pair with their beaver mascot on it. Yeah, Bucky's is definitely something you need to experience. We went as long as we could before stopping for lunch in Iowa, Louisiana. More on that shortly. After a long stretch across I-12 to avoid having to go through New Orleans, we made our way into Mississippi and arrived just about ten and a half hours after leaving home. We purposely took a route away from the main highway and onto the road that took us along the coastline from Bay St. Louis over to Biloxi. It may have added about 20 minutes or so to our drive time, but it also gave us nearly 30 miles worth of beach views. Totally worth it. We spent some time along the coast, trying out restaurants and breweries, a couple of casinos, and taking walks along the beach and through small town shopping areas. For the most part, we had a nice time. I'll get to the good parts, but to begin, I want to get the bad things out of the way. First off, if you like to stay hydrated, I recommend getting bottled water. I grew up in San Antonio, which has hard water. I never had a problem drinking it when I was growing up. I never even realized there was a difference until Gina talked me into getting a soft water filter for the house. After getting used to the soft water and then going back to the San Antonio tap water, I understood the difference. But I can still stand the tap water back home. Biloxi tap water was just god-awful. We went to Walmart and grabbed a case of bottled water that lasted the week. And since I'm on the subject of water, the ocean in Biloxi is pretty nasty. The beach is fine, I'll get to that later, but the water is not something I want to play around in for extended periods of time. Gina loves the ocean, but even she didn't like getting out in that water for too long. It's better than the water along the Texas coast, but that's not saying much. At one point, I walked out onto a sandbar, and something caught my eye. It was the carcass of a chicken. Like a roasting chicken you buy at the store, but still raw and tossed out into the water. It seemed odd, gross, and it made me just want to get out of the water altogether. It turns out you have to go out a little farther east, past the barrier islands, until you get to the truly nice Gulf Coast beaches in Alabama and the Florida Panhandle. As I mentioned, we got in close to sunset. We were tired, but hungry, and wanted to do something before going to bed after a long drive. 
We had rented an Airbnb in a little complex just across the street from the beach. I didn't think much of the surrounding area when we got in. I just wanted to get the luggage inside and go out to dinner. We had our meal, headed back to the condo, showered, watched a little TV, and got into bed. It was a long day. I was exhausted. So was Gina. Even being in a strange place, I usually don't have a problem falling asleep, and this was no exception. Everything was fine, until about 3 a.m., when I heard a train whistle. When I was a child, my grandparents lived less than a block away from railroad tracks, and my grandfather worked for the railroad, so we would hear the train coming and run out to watch it go by. I could tell by the noise, this train was close. Very close. And approaching fast. Sure enough, I got out of bed, looked out the window, and watched it speed past about 150 feet away. Gina was pissed. I wasn't happy about it either, but I tried to take it in stride. I was able to get back to sleep pretty quick. Some nights, just one train went by. Other nights, it was three or four. By the third night, I was able to get back to sleep before the train even finished passing. If you look at a map, you see the beach with the Beach Road, also known as Highway 90, running parallel to it, with all the businesses lined up along the way. The railroad runs parallel to Highway 90, just one block away. As it turns out, no Airbnb we looked at mentioned the railroad, because if you want to stay close to the beach, there is no way to avoid it. If you want to go to Biloxi and you want to stay close to the beach, expect to have a train interrupt your sleep. Probably also didn't help that we were less than a half a mile away from Keesler Air Force Base in their flight path. Literally. Go on Google Maps, pull up the base, draw a line from the runway to the southwest, and it goes right over the condo where we stayed. Our culinary experiences were mixed, but mostly positive. There were a couple of places on the long driving days that, while not bad per se, weren't that good either. In Iowa, Louisiana, just off I-10, there's a place called In-Law's Cajun Specialties. They tatted their deep-fried ribs, and I probably should have tried them, but I opted for their special of the day, which was barbecued pork steak. It was tasty and definitely filling, but it wasn't great. I forget what Gina had, but she was unimpressed with it. On the way home, we stopped in Beaumont at a place that we just learned is coming to San Antonio, the Black Bear Diner. The ambiance was nice and the server was friendly, I ordered the chicken fried steak, and I ate it out of hunger, not out of enjoyment. When I was growing up in that white trash household I mentioned in past podcasts, my mom would frequently buy some prepackaged chicken fried steak from the grocery store. I hated chicken fried steak for many years because of that, until I tried it 
properly made. The stuff I had at the diner reminded me of those old prepackaged days. Ugh. On the plus side, Gina ordered the pot roast, and it was very good. There was one place, however, that looked oh so promising, but failed oh so spectacularly. Brick and Spoon was a highly rated, relatively new place. They're a franchise mostly along the Gulf Coast. It's one of those little kitschy franchises that have popped up in recent years that lean more toward breakfast and lunch. I scanned through the menu and immediately found what I wanted to try. Chicken and pancakes. Now, in the South, chicken and waffles have become a standard, and some places, like this one, serve the variation with pancakes. I'm always willing to give them a try wherever I go. In fact, Gina pointed out to me that I had the dish three times on our vacation. I hadn't realized. As much as I like waffles, I love pancakes. I eagerly waited for Brick and Spoon to bring me theirs to sample. From the beginning, it was a failure. They stack the dish and hold it together with skewers. Pancake, chicken, pancake, chicken, pancake. This makes the base of their little tower the pancake. Not a solid base for your skewers to keep it steady. And the dish was falling over as the waiter brought it to my table. Okay, the presentation sucked, but that's not as important to me. The pancakes were thick and heavy, like biscuits. Oh, the pancakes aren't light and fluffy? Well, that's disappointing, but nothing some extra syrup couldn't cure. However, the fried chicken was so overcooked and tough, it felt like trying to cut into a severely well-done steak. The only reason I didn't send it back is because it was the day we were leaving to drive home and we were already running behind. I got extra syrup, ate what I could, got on the road. But it's proof that even in the South, you can screw up fried chicken. That's all the bad I can think of, so I'll get to the good. I mentioned how nasty the ocean is, but the beaches are fabulous. The sand felt great, the air was fresh, I'm the kind of person who can happily sit on a chair under a large umbrella and watch the waves come in and the birds fly by all day long. And for our first full day there, it's pretty much exactly what I did. I think we spent about four hours there, just relaxing and letting all the worries of life melt away for a little while. I brought my kite along and flew it, as I tried to do on our vacations. That's a relatively new thing that I started on the day that I happened to cross a kite shop on the Oregon coast. Nothing better than flying a kite at the beach. So, if you're like me, 
and can sit on a beach all day and not have to go in the ocean, well then, the Mississippi Coast is for you. I did find it interesting that the beach is not only man-made, but it's the largest of its kind in the world. I can't imagine the work that it took to build 26 miles of beach. I mean, think about it. That's a marathon's distance of beach. And this is complete guess, about 200 feet wide on average. That's a massive undertaking. Highway 90 runs along the coastline, known on the stretch in Mississippi from Henderson Point to Biloxi as Beach Boulevard, as I mentioned earlier. Take the highway to the west and cross a bridge, you'll be in the town of Bay St. Louis. We didn't spend much time there, and we were only there on our last full day. The town itself looked like a quaint little seaside place with a picturesque set of shops on the blocks along the harbor. I didn't get to explore because we already had other plans. In the harbor, you will find the Betsy Ann Riverboat. According to the captain, this is one of only 18 paddle wheel boats in the United States that are solely powered by the paddle wheel. We took a sunset cruise around the bay with live music by a 73-year-old one-man band. He was quite good. Gina and I weren't the youngest people on the boat, but we were definitely pretty close. There was a large group of people who do a lot of traveling together who are all senior citizens. And it was kind of fun watching them get a little drunk and dance around. If you find yourself in the area, I definitely recommend taking the cruise. While you're in Bay St. Louis, stop for a few minutes and visit the Angel Tree. During the nightmare of Hurricane Katrina, three people clung to the tree for their lives for several hours until the eye passed over and they were able to make it to shelter. Although the historical marker doesn't say, it appears the damage killed the tree. Angels were carved into the tree and it was moved to the harbor area. It's a touching and somber reminder of what that area experienced. Gulfport seems to be the place for new growth, with an area featuring several upscale restaurants, including where we went for our anniversary, which I'll get to later. We didn't spend much time there other than for a couple of meals. There are casinos scattered all along the coast. In Biloxi itself, though, the two big casinos are the Beau Rivage and the Hard Rock. The giant guitar outside the Hard Rock is not only iconic and a prime photo op, but it makes it difficult to resist visiting. Just walking through the hotel to get to the casino is a bombardment of nostalgia and memorabilia. The Beau Rivage is a more classic hotel and casino with plenty of stores and a, a nice restaurant that was clearly understaffed with a 30-minute wait despite half the tables being empty. There was one very noticeable difference between the two, though. While both allowed smoking, the Beau Rivage Casino clearly had vastly superior air scrubbers. 
even with people smoking in the area, there was barely a hint of cigarette in the air. At Hard Rock, it was much more prevalent. We barely spent any time there before heading back to Beau Rivage. We did win a little money at the roulette table, and by we I mean Gina. It was enough to pay for dinner that night. Of course, the pride of the city is the Biloxi Lighthouse. You can learn about its history and about Biloxi and the Mississippi coast in general at the visitor center across the street from the lighthouse. On the other side of the street from the lighthouse, you'll find a statue honoring Biloxi and Fred Hayes, who was the lunar module pilot on the Apollo 13 mission, portrayed in the movie by Bill Paxton. The statue was just unveiled in February. I do have to wonder how people feel about statues of themselves. It must bring a a sense of pride and accomplishment. Until the birds shit all over it. Poor Fred's likeness was covered in it. If you want to do a little driving away from the coast, you can go see the world's largest rocking chair. It's a couple miles north of I-10 on Canal Road. It's in the parking lot of the Dodo Clan Furniture Company. I figured it was a good addition to our list after the world's largest pistachio we saw last year in Alamo Gordo. Ocean Springs is a wonderful little town across the bridge to the east of Biloxi. Washington Avenue and Government Street have shops and restaurants galore. Pretty much something for everybody. We loved it so much we went back for a second afternoon. We took a day trip to Mobile, Alabama just to see the city. We spent about half our time there trying to find as many of the giant painted oyster shells scattered around the downtown area. I like things like that. The sea turtles in South Padre, the dolphins in Port Isabel, the horses in Ogden, Utah, the tigers in Memphis, and the oyster shells in Mobile are right up there with the rest. I often wonder what San Antonio would do if they chose such a project. I think armadillos would be interesting. I do want to give a quick shout out and thanks to the Mardi Gras Museum in Mobile. We were going to a nearby park and decided to drop by the museum gift shop. Despite the fact that we were not going to buy tickets to tour the museum, the manager spent time with us to offer ideas to where to go for lunch, and when we mentioned we were parked close by with a meter running, she invited us to bring the car over to their parking lot for free. That's the kind of generosity that leaves an impression on people. So if you're in Mobile, go to the Mardi Gras Museum. Even if you don't tour, buy something from them and just tell them thanks for us. Okay, I like to tell people that if I've been there, I can probably recommend a good place to eat. Let me give you some places and dishes to try. First off, the restaurant we went to when we first drove through Biloxi back in 2016. I waited six years, and it was the first place we went when we got into town. The Reef. When people mention shrimp and grits, the expectation is a bowl of grits, usually cheesy, with grilled or fried shrimp on the top. The Reef flips this dish. You get a bowl of shrimp and sausage in a cream soup 
with fried grit cakes on top. Now, the last time I was there, I could have sworn it was shrimp and alligator instead of sausage. And I remember the soup being thicker than this time around. But it was still one of the best shrimp and grits dishes I've ever had. The morning of our anniversary, we went to Le Café Beignet for breakfast. I had the Southern Crab Stack, which is crab on top of a vegetable quiche on top of French bread with melted smoked gouda. I don't remember what Gina got, but I remember what she drank. The Orange Creamsicle Mimosa. Orange juice, champagne, and a very thick, sweet cream. Even I was impressed. We also split an order of butter rum beignets, and it is every bit as decadent as it sounds. We tried to do something special for our anniversary dinner, so Gina picked the Rack House in Gulfport. I got their pork porterhouse, which was quite good, but I must admit, I had the rare bit of food envy with Gina getting the bacon pecan crusted pork loin. So good. The dessert, however, blew us away. Banana nut bread pudding. Deep fried and topped with a house-made salted caramel bourbon ice cream and bourbon maple syrup. It was one of the most perfect desserts we've ever had. The ice cream was astounding. We also had a delightful waiter who was well-versed in the area's history, who we probably could have talked to for hours. I hadn't heard that much about railroads since I read Atlas Shrugged. It made for a memorable meal, and a wonderful end to the day. Blue Dog Bistro in Ocean Springs is a great brunch place. I had their Blue Dog breakfast. Eggs, bacon, perfectly cooked and fluffy pancakes, and cochon pork hash, which is a Cajun pulled pork with potatoes, onions, and topped with cheese. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this twice in the same podcast about the Mississippi Gulf Coast, but this may very well be one of the best breakfasts I've ever had. Well, I may just do it a third time. I told you about the horrible chicken and pancakes. Let me tell you about two great chicken and waffles. First, Patio 44. Good Belgian waffle, great crispy chicken, even a side of bacon. But it's topped with chopped pecans and sweet hot pecan sauce. Yeah, it's good. Second, fill up with billups, which you may want to look up just to view their menu selection. Once again, excellent fried chicken but also had possibly the most perfectly cooked waffle I've ever had. Crispy on the outside, hot and fluffy on the inside. Oh, yeah, you, you want to go there too. 
just just keep having breakfast everywhere you go. You'll be fine. Lastly, I'd like to go over the five breweries I had the pleasure of visiting during my trip. Each place was friendly, and people were helpful whether the place was packed or we were the only ones there. All of them were good, but I'm going to rank them from my least to most favorite. And keep in mind, I still recommend trying any or all of these places. Number five, Lost Spring in Ocean Springs. This place only opened in 2021, and they do not have bottles or cans to take home. I liked the flight that I had, but I lost my info on it, so I couldn't tell you the names of anything that I drank. Maybe I'll be lucky to go back again sometime. Number four, Fly Llama in Biloxi. In researching for breweries to visit before our trip began, this was the number one place I wanted to try. They had a very diverse selection of beers. Of course, I sampled a few of them on our visit and I brought home six packs of Bridget, their Belgian blonde, and Boogeyman, their black lager. Gina also brought home a crowler of their excellent root beer. Number three. Craft Advisory in Ocean Springs. This was number two on my list of places I wanted to try. I went through a couple of flights, some good, some not so much. Unfortunately, a lot of what I liked was not available to take home. I ended up with a build-your-own four-pack with two each of their East Beach Light Lager and their Dark Czech Lager. The latter was not only the last two they had canned, but I was told they do not have plans to make again, which, if true, is a great tragedy, because that was a damn good dark lager that needs to be shared with the world. Number two, Oyster City in Mobile. This one came up just because we happened to be a few blocks away at the Mardi Gras Museum. I brought home a six-pack of Hooter Brown, their brown ale, and Crowlers of their American Wheat Ale, Fest Beer, and White Zombie, another Belgian blonde. Amazingly enough, beer hater Gina also brought home a Crowler of their Strawberry Passion Fruit Goes, which the bartender mixed with lemonade for her to try, and she really liked it. Number one. Lazy Magnolia in Kiln. I don't even remember where I saw the name, but I looked up the brewery and found that it was just about a mile off of I-10 on the way out, so I convinced Gina to stop there on our way home. I'm glad we did. Gina brought home a six-pack of hard cherry limeade, and I brought home a four-pack of salted caramel pecan imperial brown ale. You simply have to try it to understand how good it is. Gina and I always talk after the vacation is over and try to rank it compared to our other anniversaries. While the beach was a disappointment to Gina and the weather turned cold on us, the vacation was still filled with good food, good drink, friendly people, and fun memories. Did it have the panache of Hawaii or the nostalgia of New England? No, but I enjoyed every day and every experience. 
except for that god-awful chicken and pancakes and trains barreling past at 4 a.m. That just sucked. But don't let that stop you. If you like beach lounging, gambling, unique dining, good beer, and small-town southern charm, then Biloxi and the Mississippi Gulf Coast is worth your time. This is the Raging Rhino Podcast. You'll hear from me again.